Good morning, dear friends. Can you hear me? Yep, good. It's a little weird talking into something here and you hear me there, isn't it odd? <laughs> so, it is May the 27th, 2000 and 2020. COVID day 647. I'm very happy to be here with you this morning. It's an incredibly gorgeous day here in Portland, Oregon. And I'm broadcasting from uh, the, the western, the west, <laughs> the western tent of the Portland Insight Meditation Community in Eastern Beaverton. And uh, greetings to those of you that are here for the first time and those of you that have been here all the time. It's such a pleasure and treasure to be able to meet with you in this way. I got an early start myself this morning. Somehow I was wide awake at four and I've been just sitting on the couch since then for the most part. And it's brought a lot of joy to this heart. So a poem, this is a poem by a man named Don Nickerson, who was my first therapist and an incredible mentor. He, it was he who said I should start a private practice teaching meditation. And then that led to psychotherapy and the synthesis of the two over 45 years. I had a Zoom meeting with him yesterday, he's 94. And um, he's an amazing man. He's had quite a life. So he speaks truth. And this was written 10, 10, 10. We should be able to talk. We should be able to talk about these things, but we can't or we don't. Tradesmen talk to my wife now. Their bodies turned away from me. Once in a while, a glance so I won't feel too left out. But we all know what's going on and I am aware, but no longer offended. That's past. For the most part, the wrenching in my gut, my ego drawing itself up. There isn't a lot left to defend. My mind knows these things and my heart, my time is passing. Like my father's train did at the end, grunting up summit grade, farting billows of white steam. We should be able to talk about the secret terror of incompetence, of incontinence, as calmly as if we were discussing the trailings of cigar smoke, but we don't, or we can't. Our egos, as always, still frail, and oh yes, we do protect others from this indignity, this profanity, this pornography. My father once said he didn't tell me the worst of his last years, though I said I wanted to hear. He said it was because he loved me. Now, just now, I finally understand. There is a smell to this decay that will spoil anybody's day. I met a lady doctor at the VA yesterday and fell in love with her. Persian she must be with that dark skin, those dark, intelligent, knowing eyes, I would guess 45 years or so. She's been through a lot, her eyes say. At the end of her interview and exam, she said to me, we'll take care of everything. We'll take care of everything. We'll take care of everything. Three times she said it at the end. I thought I might, well, cry. Every part of my body wanting to let go, tired of organizing to survive. Part two. I had two dreams last night, and in one dream I have been, I have been taking care of an orphan boy for a long time. He has become a happy orphan boy, but he can't stay with us forever, yet we can't bring ourselves to cut him loose. What shall we do with him? I can't dream my way into the kingdom of heaven. Only dreams such dreams are possible 
while the rest of me waits. We scorched our tongues on a dish I fixed for dinner last night using a recipe so worn I should have known it by heart. We scorched our tongues because at the grocery I had not remembered to buy mild picante, mild picante. We washed down torn green peppers as, as an fiery red snapper with a strange Chardonnay that was better than beer. Moving to another state, a new city and house, I asked my wife over and over again, what is our address? What is our new telephone number? How the hell do I write an email on this new carrier system? Or God help me to get the TV to turn on. I'm terrified I will freeze up when someone asks for our telephone number, but I cover well. We've just moved here and I haven't got it down yet. People are kind. They say they understand, but what is it they understand? The stress of a move or that I am old and losing my mind. But these are things we don't talk about, aren't they? The messiness of endings. Ten years after that, Don's health is okay in his mid-90s. His um, his richness of spirit continues. Quite remarkable how he, the, the perspectives he brings to things. So I dedicate this morning to Don Nickerson, a man who changed my life. And oops, whatever shall we do in terms of refuge when we live in bodies that are aging, that are vulnerable, that are maybe sick already or will be sick? And the tight quarters here in the tent in Eastern Beaverton. I take refuge in the Buddha, the one who shows me the way in this life. Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddhaya, Namo Buddha. I take refuge in the Dharma, the way of understanding and love. Namo Dharmaya, Namo Dharmaya, Namo Dharmaya. I take refuge in the Sangha, the community of mindful harmony. Namo Sanghaya, Namo Sanghaya, Namo Sanghaya. take refuge in being awake, in being the awakened one. I take refuge in the Dharma, in the path and the realization of awakeness. And I take refuge in the community of life and of those who practice awakening. We repeat that every morning and it's no small thing, right? It's an aspiration for the day, for the lifetime. 
And let us take our seat right here. The Buddha said the seeker after awakening takes themselves to a quiet place, sits comfortably upright, putting aside grief and lamentation for the world, placing mindfulness before them. and taking up mindfulness of in-breathing and out-breathing. For thousands of years, people have done exactly what we're doing. Sitting and being awake. And what does that mean, being awake? It means actually sensing what is happening here in this moment. We use the breath as a very convenient training object, home base. And each breath has a beginning. And we train the mind to be curious in, curious about something as apparently familiar and subtle in a way as breathing in and breathing out. We learn to be aware of that very first moment when, when the breath comes out of nowhere. And again, it's not really the breath, is it? It's the sensations in the body that arise from breathing in and out. The breathing takes place in a context of the body. <clears throat> and you might open the field of awareness to include the body, maybe to include the hands first, the sensations of life that are the hands maybe the feet. Notice how proprioception can establish quite accurately where the feet are and where the hands are, where the face is, where the buttocks are, 
And so softening the focus, allowing the awareness, the potential awareness of the entire body with breathing in and out at its center. And there may well be thoughts, images, memories, mood, there may be sounds, We develop the capacity to be present amidst the arising and passing away of the 10,000 things. we can attend to the breath and be aware. Does the awareness stay with the breath from its birth to its ending, its death? Or does it jump off somewhere? Sometimes at some points in our practice, we become poignantly aware of the arising of things, the beginning of things. And at another time, there is deep insight into the disappearance, the passing away of things. And this, the, the, the latter of these can come with quite a lot of terror as we realize the true, utter import, impermanence of everything. So when breathing in, aware of breathing in.
from the very start of the Buddha's teachings. They are laced through with ahimsa, with nonviolence, non-coercion. And this pertains to the outer world and our behavior. And it pertains to the inner world and our behavior. Some of us have been conditioned often in early childhood to treat ourselves rather badly. To speak to ourselves in ways which are horrible at best. And so when it comes to your meditation, why not do it really differently? Why not aspire to true ahimsa, nonviolence? No forcing. It doesn't work anyway. So we form an intention, we get inspired and we form an intention to do a practice like stay with the breath when we can. And then you discover that the mind has wandered. Maybe you've fallen asleep. Maybe you're caught up in some desire or some disliking. Maybe there's lots of restlessness. Simply notice that. There's plenty of room for that in awareness. If the mind wanders for five minutes or 10 minutes, so what? It doesn't matter. At the end of that five or 10 minutes, the miracle of awakening happens. And then you're right here, then you're present. Present knowing of thinking, present knowing of emotion, present really being curious about this mysterious breathing in and breathing out that's happening. When breathing out has completed itself, sometimes there's a short hiatus, a pause. When the mind gets really concentrated, this pause can get longer and longer, not because one tries to do it, but because the stress level in the body is dropping so dramatically that there's much less need for oxygen. And then it's simply abiding in presence, knowing the whole body sits here. And then just as you can notice, sometimes the very first light that comes into the morning sky at sunrise, the very first glimmers, So you can notice the first glimmer of the beginning of a breath. And then you can watch it as it blossoms. 
We had an explosion of peonies the other day from tight buds come these extraordinary blossoms. The same is true with the breath. The more we attune ourselves to settling back into the present moment, fantasies of past and future fall away. They literally cease to exist. And so we get to be in reality. If the eyes are open, we know what's being seen and the fact of seeing. If there are sounds around us, there is knowing of sound, of hearing. If there's scent, olfactory objects, we know scent, smelling. Also taste. And in the body we have touch, temperature, movement. And in the rich fields of the mind, 
There are sounds of thought, that, thoughts which have sound in them. There are visual objects. There are the enlightenment factors of mindfulness and curiosity and persistence and joy and tranquility and equanimity and concentration. All of these become more and more visible, knowable, cultivable. The same is true for anxiety and depression, fear, loneliness. So this simple practice of mindfulness of in-breathing and out-breathing is in fact opening the door to the illumination of mindfulness moving into every corner of our lives. It's a profoundly loving act to meditate. And we can also bring the intention of blessing to cultivate something, to bring something into being. Why not think some beautiful, kind, loving thought about yourself right now? Perhaps the great mantra, I love you with your name at the end. Why not? Sounds come and go. Breathing in and breathing out. And please now notice any stiffness in the body Maybe let there be a slight movement of the head or the shoulders as we make a conscious transition from going inward to taking our place of being and responsibility and playfulness in the world. and stretching. <clears throat> but don't leave the mindfulness practice just because you're not sitting still. <clears throat> when it becomes really obvious to us that meditation isn't something one does when one sits on a cushion, you don't have to be in some special posture. Meditation is what one does when one is awake <laughs> and further cultivates being awake. And not just awake from sleep, but 
awake from the sleep of the self trance, the trance of I, 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 me, 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 mine, mine, mine. So I think I have simply one announcement this morning, which is a reminder uh, that um, Betsy Toll and I will be doing a four hour retreat on the 6th of June. Um, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure how to find it on the website. Avi, I see you there. Is it there on the website to easily find? Where would I look? Good morning, Robert. Hi, Avi. It's, it's on the home page, and I believe it is in the posting box. It is in the third row of boxes down in the middle. <laughs> Great. Thank you. Great. Nice navigation. All right. So with that, oh, and also the invitation. There's so much else happening at PIMC. Uh, please um, go and check out all the other teachers that are offering things at wonderful times of day, too. So I now invite you. I open to you. I open this channel. How is it going? I've, I've talked to a couple of people in the last couple of days that it, it, it's been getting tough. The longer, the longer time being shut in relationship difficulties. Um, I'm also talking to folks who are flourishing. It's quite remarkable how we are. We live different journeys. So I invite you to share as you wish, simply unmute and you have the floor, so to speak. Strange way to say it, you have the floor. Good morning, Robert. I hear a voice. Jennifer. Hello, Jennifer. And thank you so much for doing this every morning. I'm really grateful for it. Mm, me too. Thank you for coming. It's, it's lovely. Um, and I have a question about mindfulness of feelings. Feelings uh, as in Vedana, second foundation of mindfulness, or do you mean yes. emotions? Emo I mean emotions. Okay. Um, and and letting go of the story, right? I, I've been trying to stay with the feelings and let go of the story, but the story doesn't go, it stays there. And, and, and as, as a result, the feelings stay there. And, right. and, uh, and I made what was perhaps a mistake of trying to do this at bedtime once, and as a result, I didn't sleep very well. Mm -hmm. So that, also suggested to me that maybe I should practice this at other times of day, but uh, but I, I just like it's so hard to let go of the story and stay with the feelings. And I'm I'm just curious what you have to say about that. Well, of course, it's a very complicated thing one is doing when, especially if it's a story with some hurt in it or some some intensity. Um, a few guideposts can be this can be like this. To be with the feelings themselves, the emotions themselves, find where they are in the body. Because feelings, emotions are bioelectronic psycho-spiritual phenomena. And they always have a body base, even if it's very, very subtle. And if you could find that and be very specific, you're looking at sensations in the body. That helps. Um, and another, another notion or another possibility would be, um, is there some disliking of the story and to watch, to observe the disliking. And if there's disliking, it'll, nothing ever goes away if you're disliking it and possibly even hating it. <clears throat> so uh, one can also turn to the story and tell the story out loud or write it down. There's a, 
There's a great book uh, on forgiveness called Forgive for Good by Fred Luskin. And he has this marvelous idea uh, that we carry what he called grievance stories. And we rehearse them and we get, we, we really turn them into something very solid. And so part of his treatment process is to really articulate the story very thoroughly. And then to tell it to someone with the intention of it being the last time you'll ever tell it, it's kind of a trip. Um, but if there's, if there's lots of story, but then to observe story as story, not damn story, I hate you, but oh, this is what the mind is conditioned to do. This is the, these are the fireworks that it likes to set up. It entertains itself with these and it can feel like a victim or a, whatever it does. And so really but be very curious about the story too. Can I ask a follow-up question to that? <laughs> sure. Um, the, my particular story that I struggle with revolves around my teenage children. Um, make choices that I don't always think are wise choices. And then I worry about where that's going to lead. So right, like, right. And, and you should have been a better mother too, to begin I, I, with. That's a big part of it, of yeah. Of course, it, it's oh, really fault. your fault. My fault. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, thank you. Um, and uh, so, so, like even if I can let go of that and focus on the feelings and stuff or be mindful of the, the emotions and stuff, the story is still there. It's still going to be there later. Um, Do you remember the Buddha's teachings on dukkha, the first noble yeah. truth? Yeah. Birth, sickness, teenagers, old <laughs> age, decay, death. <laughs> I mean, having, having teenagers really is a challenge. I mean, they're so remarkable and they're so unconscious and mm -hmm. selfish and um, dangerous. Mm -hmm. Scary. Yeah, yeah. They, they don't do social distancing worth a damn. No, no. I watch, I, I live with two teenagers half time and uh, 19 and soon to be 16 and I watch them go out the, out the door and then they come back and they, they, they look to me like these disease vectors. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what are the, I have stopped hugging them. Mm -hmm. um, what are they bringing back? Cause they go out and they remember social distancing for a little while and then they forget. So. So I guess just try to focus on the, because there are there are joyful parts about teenagers. Absolutely, too. astounding, and coming back to the the you know being responsible for your teenagers. Teenagers sometimes make, and I once was one. They make really crappy choices sometimes, and morally, ethically, not good and dangerous, and and uh, it's just scary. I know it was interesting as with divorce and so on. Uh, when my kids are under my roof, even to this day, if they're not in by a certain time, I need them to text. Because mm -hmm. if they're going to come in at one or two or three o'clock in the morning, I worry still. Yeah. So I just make peace with that. It's going to be suffering. Well, and, and the whole thing about having children is absolutely insane because of how vulnerable it makes one. Thank you. And I, my experience is that doesn't go away with them being 38 and 32. It's just, you know, it's, it persists. And then there's grandchildren and that really, <laughs> <laughs> the vulnerability is of, of being a human being is so vast. Mm -hmm. If you care and if you're willing to connect and then the price is high when loss happens. And the gifts are so beautiful when they happen. The, the gifts of love and connection. And, and if we, sense? Yeah, it does. And, and, and it reminds me, you know, if we didn't love them, we wouldn't have these struggles, right? Yeah. So it does come down to that. Mm -hmm. I, I, sometimes, I sometimes joke that the solution is simply not to care. Mm -hmm. But then you wouldn't be who you are. <laughs> that would not be better. No. No. 
Thank you. Okay, thank you for that question. Timma, you're right in the screen here. Uh, speak? I just flashed up for a second because I just thought of the quote that you have to care, but not that much. You know, so much that it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, that was from um, Herb Cohen and the Art of Negotiation. Huh. Interesting. <clears throat> care, but not that much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Robert? I hear someone. It's Linnell. Linnell, hi. Yeah, that, those comments are, makes me think of, I don't, I can't quote exactly. Was it the book that said, just let go? And then you read other books that say, just connect. So somewhere you have to do it in the middle or <laughs> you're, you have more peace, the more you let go, but then you have more joy, the more you connect or you have more presence. Maybe it's a paradox. <laughs> I, I, I do think there's truth to it being a paradox that the more one can accept that there's no control and that the possibilities of loss and anguish are vast, then one can, one can be more loving and closer and more intimate. And it's, it's just, it's, I think that's one of the one of the whole benefits of a of a spiritual psycho spiritual exploration that we dare to feel really much more deeply and then we feel everything more deeply and at the same time as feeling it more deeply we realize it's all empty of self ultimately it's it's the process of life going on now that's paradoxical Robert. Hello there, Hadley. I hear you. Okay, this is Had. I have two questions about the poem you read us to start today. Yeah. That was just wonderful. I love the, the directness and it. it was just a, I, First, I want to know if you will send us a copy, if you are able to send us or share that. In a I, can, I can send that on the list, sir, very easily, and I will. Great. And second question, will we continue, can we continue this practice until you're 94 years old? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> no, I'm just truly savoring this morning meditation at my house mm -hmm. how nice of you to come to my house <laughs> well and i have I, hundred of us here it's incredible as, as far as i know when we can re-inhabit pimc i am going to persist in this morning practice this is great thank you mm -hmm. it's very nourishing to me too I have a delightful experience right now. You can probably see this side of my face is much really brightly lit. The sun is coming up and it's up. And the, the radiant energy coming off the tent, the warmth from this side is just, it's so delectable. Over, it's cold here and hot, hottish. Yeah, it's very interesting. And beautiful patterns, the nylon makes Oh, there's a mosquito net. That's what it is. It's like, you know, those moiré patterns, I think, that, that happen with screens. It's just gorgeous. Robert, this is Mary. Hello, Mary. I, I want to thank you so much, too, for reading that poem. Mm. It, um, 
spoke the words that my father could never speak. Uh, yeah. Uh. He lived until he was 93, but he had prostate cancer when he was in his 70s. And he spent much of the last 10 or 20 years fighting against incontinence. And, you know, he was such a dignified man. And he could never, these things were never talked about. We had no, you know, he was, then he became so locked into himself and it caused so much um, isolation and loneliness and all because we couldn't talk about any of it. It took a lot of courage for Don Nickerson to write that poem and I, I honor him with you. Thank you for sharing it. Mm -hmm. Don has been an, an explorer of the highest order since his whole life. Very, very helpful to me. Robert, hi. Hi, David. I don't know if you remember, I worked with Don uh, back at a particularly difficult part of my life in the early 90s. Um, and I just have a memory every every session of him walking in and settling into the chair and all of these antennas would be figurative, sprouting off of him, his perception abilities, his ability to read and um, divine what was going on for me, uh, I'd never seen before. And um, we reached a point in my work, and I guess the only way I can explain it is that he realized that he'd reached the limit on what he could do for me, and he stopped. And he said, there's this guy, Robert Beatty, who uh, is doing this stuff. Um, you should go talk to him and uh, get involved. And this was back in, I don't know, 93, 94. You were still over at the Zen Center off Hawthorne. And we were putting out the parking signs before every, uh, every session because the neighbors didn't like people parking there. Oh, I remember that. The whole ritual. Um, and, and it's so interesting because I would, I would, candidly, I would never have gotten into Buddhism and meditation uh, on my own. And Don had the wisdom to say, Robert, is your next, uh, is your next, uh, is your next train? Um, and I lost touch with him every now and then I hear you mention him and I, I just have deep, deep feelings about him. And the poem was particularly touching because I'm, I'm sitting here watching metal faculties go away, uh, and, uh, and dealing with that and hearing your story with your medical issues as well. Um, anyway, so I just, I just wanted to thank you for, uh, for keeping, keeping Robert or Don present. I lost touch. I didn't really, we were not, we were non-communicative for quite a long time. And then when Jennifer and I were getting married, I wrote him just an informational, you know, this is happening. And he said, we're coming. Wow. And that was 10 years ago. And and then they moved here. They moved to Vancouver, Washington. So we've seen each other very regular, quite regularly since then. Well, if you happen to see him, give him my love. I will certainly see him and I will give him your greetings. Thank you. Hi, Robert. Um, I'm gonna, not sure if my video is showing up. There you uh, are. Hi. Hi. 
Uh, I was just thinking about what Mary said, and it really um, touched me. And I thought when you were reading the poem, I thought, you know, I should really share this with my mom. And then I thought, but then she's going to be all offended or, or ashamed or something. And, um, and to Mary's point, we just don't know how to talk about it. And uh, I want to protect her from feeling the shame of aging. And she wants to protect me from having to feel it too. And it's just so bullshit. Anyway, thank you for sharing it. I'm going to share it with my mother. We're going to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. I wonder, maybe we should end with a, a second reading of that poem. What would you think? That's great. That'd be wonderful. It's so, in honor of Don Nickerson, the bright light in the world. <clears throat> we should be able to talk about these things, but we can't, or we don't. Tradesmen talk to my wife now, their bodies turned away from me. Once in a while, a glance so I won't feel left out. But we all know what's going on, and I am aware, but no longer offended. That's past, for the most part, the wrenching in my gut, my ego drawing itself up. There isn't a lot left to defend. My mind knows these things and my heart. My time is passing. Like my father's train did at the end, grunting up summit grade farting billows of white steam. We should be able to talk about the secret terror of incompetence or incontinence. As calmly as if we were discussing the trailings of cigar smoke, but we don't or we can't. Our egos, as always, still frail, and oh, yes, we do protect others from this indignity, this profanity, this pornography. My father once said he didn't tell me the worst of his last years, though I said I wanted to hear. He said it was because he loved me. Now, just now, I understand. There is a smell to this decay that will spoil anybody's day. I met a lady doctor at the VA yesterday and fell in love with her. Persian she must be with that dark skin, those dark, intelligent, knowing eyes. I would guess 45 years or so. She's been through a lot, her eyes say. At the end of her interview and exam, she said to me, we'll take care of everything. We'll take care of everything. We'll take care of everything. Three times she said it at the end. I thought I might, well, cry. Every part of my body wanted, wanting to let go, tired of organizing to survive. Part two. I had two dreams last night, and in one dream I had been taking care of an orphan boy for a very long time. He's become a happy orphan boy, but he can't stay with us forever, yet we can't bring ourselves to cut him loose. What shall we do with him? I can't dream my way into the kingdom of heaven, only dream such dreams are possible while the rest of me waits. We scorched our tongue on a dish I fixed for dinner last night using a recipe so worn I should have known it by heart. We scorched our tongues because at the grocery I had not remembered to buy mild picante, mild picante. We washed down torn green peppers and fiery red snapper with a strange Chardonnay that was better than beer. Moving to another state, a new city and house, I asked my wife over and over again, what is our address? What is our telephone number? How the hell do I write an email on this new carrier system? Or God help me to get the TV to turn on I'm terrified I will freeze up when someone asks for our telephone number, but I cover well. We have just moved here and I don't have it down yet. People are kind. They say they understand, but what is it they understand? The stress of a move or that I am old and losing my mind? But these things we don't talk about. 
these are the things we don't talk about, aren't they? The messiness of endings. But these are things we don't talk about, aren't they? The messiness of endings. Good luck with your mama. Thank you. I tried. My mother was in a nursing home for six years. And there was something I wanted. There was something I wanted my whole life, actually, with my mother. And, and I, every time I would go, I would prepare. She was in Vancouver, BC. I'd prepare. I'd work with my therapist. And I'd... And I'd want it, and I was working in hospice at the time, and and I'd want to talk about the fact that there she was, very injured, and um, her dementia was developing further, and 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 I I wanted to talk about the fact that she was dying, so that I could talk about it. We never did. It was so I would if if I got really direct, she'd say, "I'm not talking about that." I don't want to be just, um, but of course we do the best we are, you know. So how lucky she has you to bring this depth to her. Well, anybody sitting with anything? We've got another minute or two if there's something. Clearly, this is a, a topic and an opening where there could be. Hmm. Oh, Maria Cristina, did you put your hand? Just just unmute yourself because I can't find you easily. Or I don't know how. Maybe this will do it. Ah, oh, here we are. Maria Cristina. No, no, no. I'm just no, I just wanted to say thank you very much for the poem. It was really touched. <laughs> oh good. Thank okay. you. Thank you. So now we head off into our day. Please let us remember to be. Please let us remember to be kind with ourselves today. There was something here on the chat. I noticed another poem on the screen. I'm preparing for my class on the Dhammapada tonight. And so the, that beautiful teaching from the Buddha, two different translations of it are up. I was reading them earlier this morning. So let us sing our little song, children to the ready. <laughs> and I will unmute everyone. Here we go. May all be happy. I just have one more one more thought. I will attempt. I will try to put this also on my blog, which I hardly use. <laughs> Bye. Happy trails. Bye. 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 Bye.